Hello, everybody. This is Jill. Welcome to this episode of Outwitting with Tico. I believe this is number three, and I'm really excited to be here with you. Let's just take a moment and take a couple conscious breaths here, nice and slow, in through the mouth. Or excuse me, in through the nose and out through the mouth. <laughs> Nice. Relax those shoulders. Rotate your neck. Make your neck nice and tall like a giraffe, please. All right. I'm excited. There's been a lot going on since we last met two weeks ago. Um, I've shared a couple podcasts. Um, I think we're at number 84 and 83 on those if you wanted to catch up and see what's going on in that front. Um Anyway, <laughs> I don't want to re I don't want to reiterate and repeat what I've done over there. But with Tico, okay, let's see what we've got tonight. And I still had some awesome questions from one of our kind of tribe members, Jess and Jeremy. Thank you. I see your question in the question box and I'm excited um to kinda get cracking uh continuously in the series. With Tico is such a misunderstood and misrepresented form of consciousness that affects all of us. And I'm really excited to give a voice to that to really help us be more clear about what we're facing, kind of what we're dealing with, and be able to recognize Wichiko more clearly when it shows up in our lives. Because it does. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong, quote unquote, with it. It's not a bad thing. It is literally part of human life. So there's not, it's not about being less enlightened if you have experiences with, with Tico. It's not about being, you know, uh, somehow uh, not honorable to your higher self frequencies or anything like that. So anyway, just wanted to clear that up. Okay, so last time we met, in episode number two, we, we went right in. <laughs> we talked about suicide. Um, did we? I know I talked about that in an interview recently. Um, did we talk about it here? I don't remember if we talked about it here or not, but that's okay. I don't need to remember exactly what we talked about because I know where we're going with what we're talking about tonight. <laughs> and that is about death and the afterlife. Um, da da da. <laughs> it's kind of a theme music, <laughs> theme, theme notes I want to play there. Oh, this is really a big one. Um, yeah, okay. So I will be watching the question box. Um, this will be a different kind of experience where I'm interacting and interacting with you at the same time, and uh, I'm cool with that. Okay, so let's let Tico uh, just kind of slide in here and talk about death and life and afterlife and all those things. Um, I'm actually really curious <laughs> about your perspective, buddy, um, on this really important matter. Okay, so let me just switch gears here. This is always in a, well, so far it's been quite an adjustment when I shift gears in this way. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. Less so with this group, but in the general population, the fear of death is very much correlated with fear of life, fear of living. 
because there is this preoccupation with um, with death and the dying process, and when will it happen? Either either someone's own death or a loved a loved one's death. And interesting that you'd think that that would make one fear of death would make one just absolutely savor their life, but it actually has the opposite effect. It actually has an effect of dampening their energy field to the point that they can't um, like uh, suck all the yumminess out of the human living process. And it's one thing when it relates to that individual in their life. It's a, it's another form of travesty, probably from your the group like this is standards, when it comes to the amount of love one can feel for another human when they are so afraid of losing them. It is it is uh, a very strange paradox of humanity that I'm constantly fascinated by, that someone's love for another person um, that causes them, it leads to them being worried and concerned about that person's um, demise, actually drives them to hold back in some ways the pure divine unconditional love that you know is your soulfulness. Isn't that interesting? The fear of death actually gets in the way of the unconditional love that's available through all of humanity from within, as you already know. Okay, let's just sit with that for a moment. That's really big. Okay. Just notice that. Think about someone in your life that you have been concerned about. For any of us that are parents, that's a big one, right? Um, for those of us that are children, maybe with aging parents, maybe it's another another kind of uh, flavor of it. Or your life partner. Just somebody that you're like, oh my gosh, if anything ever happened to them, I, I literally don't know if I could live. Um, and if it becomes a preoccupation in any way, that you really aren't sure that you could go on um, if somebody else, for whatever reason, was transitioning. There's a pulling back from your your love center for that other person. So just for a moment, just consider somebody that may fit in that category for you. And just imagine that there is this, I'm going to call it a, like a spacer, like a foam, like foam packing tape or something that's actually between you and that other person. Okay. Notice the friction in your ability to allow yourself to unconditionally love this other person while simultaneously being fearful or concerned or cautious that they may not be here as long as you want them to be. So the big secret here, given that I've already admitted to you guys that I'm not going to hold anything back with this group, the big secret here is the realization that you don't control whether and when and how they decide to transition out of this reality. And at their human consciousness, they don't either. So at a soul level, the transition window is taken or not taken in coordination 
with other flavors of that of that consciousness that is is creating and animating that that human form. So it's it's way beyond your reach. Sorry, <laughs> I have to tell you that, and not sorry at the same time. So by fully accepting that you aren't the one keeping them alive, and you're not the one leading to their death either. This is far beyond your control. <sighs> There's like a sigh of relief I feel from a lot of you at that recognition, even as parents, by the way. I know you think you've got the whole world in your hands with those kids, but that's not the reality of the matter. If it is someone's transition time based on their their own decision tree as their as their human and as their higher self there's nothing you could do to create it and there's nothing you could do to stop it so in that regard knowing that you're not responsible for it isn't there an increased ability for you to literally relax and resolve into the true unconditional love that is actually available to you from your higher self to that person's higher self and from your human to that human. Did you know that you can't get to that unconditional love vibration from just the human dimensional range? You have to tap into the divine dimensional range in order to even comprehend what unconditional love is, let alone demonstrating it and feeling it enabling it for that person through your human. It's a tremendous gift. And yes, it can involve pain, obviously, and, and sadness and heartbreak and all of those things. And yet, <clears throat> that's just part of this journey, isn't it? Okay. <sighs> okay. So what happens once the... Well, let's talk a little bit more about the transition window because there's a lot of misunderstandings about that. Um, there are specific, almost like off-ramps, like on a freeway or Audubon, um, there's specific off-ramps that are pre-set before your incarnation. You set them up as your higher self. And they fly by uh, throughout the journey at various points. Just because a transition window is upon you doesn't mean you have any any uh, any human awareness of it. Some of you occasionally are aware that, whoa, wow, uh, I could have been taken out right there. Um, most of you aren't aware of it, and that's okay. There's no you know A or A or F letter grade being applied here. It's interesting sometimes when I look at some of your journeys, how some put in more transition windows than others. Some stack transition windows in certain parts of your life that you expect um, either things to be more difficult or that you may have uh, at that point felt very satisfied with your life already. Um, sorry. <laughs> hmm. So there's constantly these opportunities to basically call a human journey complete and done. Um, that, in many ways, should lead 
I would think, to more confidence um, in your purpose and in your, your higher selves anywhere, anyway, rationale for being still in the human body suit. Um, there is purpose or you wouldn't be here. There's value in you being here or you wouldn't be here. Um, and oftentimes in Jill's work, she'll talk to somebody in private session about, well, I know, I know that you sound, you say you're miserable here, but yet again, you just passed a transition window and you decided to stay. So, um, you may want to rethink that storyline that you're just waiting to get out of here, right? That's a very common practice with those that are having a hard hard time here and are literally hoping uh, for something to make it end. Um, Their higher self has a very different perspective, and that's one of the reasons Jill loves the work that she does, is to help people literally treasure and savor the human experience for the true gift and blessing that it actually is, not only to that higher self that's, that's decided to come here and choosing to stay here, but for the opportunity to share the level of love and light and wisdom and all the uniqueness that you are into a reality like this that you obviously care enough about that you came. (sighs) Okay. I'm uncomfortable giving away these secrets. (laughs) And um, And yet I know it's time. Okay. Okay. So that's the transition windows. Let me know if you have questions about that. It's a very complicated process, but I feel satisfied with the way that that simplicity kind of came through. So it's basically like a meeting. Um, It's beyond the time-space continuum. I guess I am adding more. Um, It's beyond the time-space continuum. So in the moment that on in your linear time, it looks like something could have happened that would have ended your life, whether it be an ac- a car accident or um, a strange combination of medicines, um, an error in the hospital, um, lightning. I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to shut a body down, a human body down, literally. There are many, many ways. Um, in the process from, the time, from beyond the time-space continuum as your higher self, there's like a meeting. So there's, it's almost like a tap on your shoulder. Um, again, not at the human consciousness level. So it's, it's beyond that. It's like the super consciousness level that isn't quite the same range as the higher self. And there's like this dialogue. Um, plans are reviewed. You know, why did you, why did you incarnate again? Okay, yeah, oh, yeah. Mm, how you doing? How's it going for you? Um, do you want a do-over? Are you, are you satisfied? Does it feel good? Um, and it's, it's not, this conversation doesn't relate to loved ones. It doesn't relate to responsibilities um, on the planet so much. It's, it's a much more cosmic level. Because remember, at the higher self level, there's a whole, there's a very different uh, framework of, of what's concerning versus at the human level. At the higher self level, it's like, oh, there's, there's a lot of different ways things can get done. At the human level, we get very locked into one way um, that things have to be done. And thus, that's one, maybe one of the reasons why the human consciousness isn't involved or no one would leave, <laughs> right? Um, there's always something for you guys to do. That's what keeps you busy in your human lives in a lot of ways. And distracted, by the way. So... There is a dialogue and a review and a conversation. Sometimes there's, a, oh, I don't know, when's the next one coming up? Uh, when's the next transition window? When's the next slash off-ramp happening? And maybe we'll revisit again then. But for now, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Um, 
so it's not as heavy it's not sad it's it's quite uh uh spock like in a lot of ways it's it's not emotion based um it's difficult actually to describe because i can see the confusion actually with some of you about it just it's a mind bender for sure which i'm i mean based on Jill loves those. <laughs> Jill loves mind benders. So maybe you guys do too. Um, anyway, let me know if you want further clarification. Okay, so let's say that somebody decided to transition. Okay, then what happens? And I'm going to let Jill step in here because she has a really interesting experience related to this um, that she wants to offer, and I agree that it's valuable. Okay, hello. Um, so I had a situation a few years ago where my um, maternal grandmother was reaching her end state. Her body was definitely shutting down. I was actually, um, I think, within minutes of going on the air uh, for my my regular podcast at that time. And my mother had called the home line, the landline, and she said, um, you know, Grandma Gracie's not doing well. It's probably, she's probably going to um, be gone before the end of the day if you wanted to call or, you know, think about her or whatever, whatever you want to do. And I said, okay, thank you so much uh, for letting me know. And then I hung up, and then I immediately closed my eyes. I put my hand on my heart, and I basically went into that dimensional range of being able to connect with her, um, non through you know non phone like communication, the etheric communication, soul to soul, human to human at the higher self level in a way. Um, so I closed my eyes, and I immediately felt her presence, and I I felt like I was standing right next to her. Um, her body was uh, crumpled kind of on the floor. There were different caretakers. She was in hospice at that point, and they were taking, they were overseeing her, but she wasn't doing well. Um, and I, I saw her as her out-of-body self in a way, and, and she didn't recognize me as her grandchild. I wasn't Jill, um, but yet she knew me and she was comfortable with me, so it was probably more of my spirit guardian type of vibration that she was recognizing there. And I said, hi, how are you doing? And she said, well, not good. Look at me. Um, and she was point, She was looking down. We were kind of looking down in like an aerial view at her human. And I said, I said, no, how are you doing? And I pointed to her, the one that was observing. And she immediately kind of uh, noticed the distinction. And she was like, oh, oh, I'm, I, I'm good. And then she kind of smiled like, thank God. <laughs> thank God I'm not that right now because um, that, that looks like a mess. And I said, good, I'm glad you're good. Um, and then I said, has anyone been here with you? Has anyone visited you? And she said, nope, it's just me. So then I asked uh, for her, you know, there is like a welcoming committee in those corridors oftentimes. Some people don't look for it, but she seemed too alone is what I sensed. And the minute I asked for, you know, is there anyone here for her, um, my grandfather showed up, um, and he had passed years before her. Um, my great-grandmother, whom I knew in this lifetime, showed up, and that's my this grandmother Gracie's mother. Um, and there were other people that some of them I recognized, some of them I didn't. So, again, they didn't recognize me as human Jill. So I was just kind of stepping back and just observing and happy for her. Um, and then my, my great-aunt Joyce, one of my grandma Gracie's um, sisters, was in the welcoming committee, and Joyce was still alive. <laughs> so since she was alive, I was like, Joyce, what are you doing here? And she smiled, and she winked at me. Um, and I was just like, okay, that's curious. 
um, anyway, so that then I kind of stepped out and I was I was done with the role that that I felt led to play, and I did my show and then I called my mom later and, and described it to her. She's not really into what I do, but she's not. I mean, she'll she'll like humor me sometimes. But I told her about the Joyce thing and she said, "Yeah, Joyce is fine." <laughs> so we kind of laughed. And then I think it was like four or six weeks later that my mom called and she said, okay, guess who just died? And I said, I, I don't know who. Um, and she said, Joyce. And we both just like, oh, my God, that's so funny. So anyway, that was really fun um, to have that confirmation ahead of time of what was going on with Joyce. My grandmother did eventually transition. I think it was before the end of the day. So the predictions that the caretakers and my mom had um, heard were correct. And it was just really happy. I was really happy for her. But there is that moment of confusion. Now, I I basically volunteered and stepped up, but apparently I had the authority to step in and, and be there for my mom, or excuse me, for my grandmother <clears throat> in that moment. I've met many people, and there's probably people in this audience today that have had the blessing of, of helping people transition. Sometimes, though, i got to say, when I hear that term, I feel like there's too much credit that's that's being taken as if they couldn't figure out on their own. Um, somebody would have shown up for my grandmother, I'm sure. I, for some reason, volunteered, and it was a it was a positive experience for me, and I was happy to be there for her at a at another level of me. Um, it also allowed me to share that experience with um, in in what I do and experiences like this. So, um, but she wasn't sure she wasn't her body, and I've um, I've heard that pets have that situation too where they're they're like, do I leave this body? Because, you know, we're assigned to it. So there's this hesitation sometimes in, am I that or am I not that anymore? Is it is it done? Is it not done? Sometimes there's confusion. But there's always the opportunity for someone meaningful and trustworthy to that person, whether they recognize you from their human journey or not, or their, their physical journey or not, um, that can be there for you as some sort of, of um, like a way station kind of um ambassador, I guess, is the word I want to use. Okay, so I'm going to let Wati go step back in here, because this is where things get weird, <laughs> really quick. Um, <clears throat> the separation age, okay, you may want to pause. I'm going to get a drink of tea. This is this gets really weird really quick. And I feel like he has some uh, nuances to it that, that are new to me as well, so I want to, I want to get this right. <clears throat> Okay. All right. <sighs> okay. Okay. So once the decision has been made at the at the multiple levels where that happens, where somebody is going to transition, there is still these corridors that need to be um, uh, kind of walked through, and the energy field that was that human has to do that walking on its own. Um, they can be pointed, they can be guided, um, but they cannot be carried uh, through these different corridors. And this is where things get weird. Um, Jill hates this part, by the way. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, she much prefers this idea that once you are done with the bodysuit, that you're immediately snapped um, into your higher self range of uh, consciousness and vibration and health, if you will, and wellness. 
um, serenity, you know, all sovereignty, all those things. But unfortunately, in many ways, uh, and it is unfortunate in many ways that that is not the case. The separation age veiling continues into some stages of the afterlife. So there are multiple scenarios that can happen. In Jill's mind, the saddest one is that somebody, based on their consciousness that they had in their humanness, um, where in many ways they were tricked by the separation age, they continue to be tricked in these corridors of the afterlife. Oh, she hates to talk about this because it, you know, it inevitably leads to this this question of, well, what happened to my aunt Sally, you know, or what happened to my, you know, deceased so and so? Are they are they stuck somewhere or whatever? And it just it leads to a lot of confusion. They're no they're no worse off literally than they were in their humanness. I don't mean to sound flippant, but that but that is actually true. Um, okay, so in these uh, veiled corridors, based on their human consciousness. They either kind of make it all the way through or they, the trickery continues. And it's very easy to trick um, somebody that's been in a very, you know, I want to say unconscious. It's obviously not fully unconscious, but, you know, not, not fully conscious either. Uh, semi-conscious state of, of delusion and misunderstandings like happens here in the separation age. So it's almost like an interview uh, sort of series happens. And one of the most um, common first kind of uh, gate gate points or uh, checkpoints, I guess is a better word, is that somebody, uh, again, will try to basically continue to trick that person. And they're saying, oh, you know, hi, well, welcome. Um, you know, glad you're here. That, that looked like a tough one. You know, do you need a hug? How you doing? Um, okay, so now what happens is we're going to look at your life, we're going to do the life review, and we're going to see how you did. And based on how you did, we'll, um, we'll determine together whether you get to move forward or not. Okay, <laughs> and automatically, hopefully you, I know I, would be like, no, 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 thanks a lot, but it's kind of like refusing the perfume sample at the mall. Um, no, thanks, and you just keep walking, right? Um, if you have your full consciousness range from your humanness, you're much more likely to be able to smell the BS that happens in the afterlife. But sadly, as you can imagine, the vast majority of humans get tricked at one point along the way. Um, there is no, you know, heaven or hell construct. That's a that's a separation age. As oh, the ravens right outside my window. Hello and chatty as all can be. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, you and I, hopefully you, please know this, you'd walk right by and say, no, thank you, and you'd keep going. They can't stop you, but you have to know that you can keep going. That's, that's, the, that's the problem, is that most at that vibrational range, they don't know that they can, that they can say no, thank you. And nobody at those gate uh, checkpoints will tell you. So they're not going to tell you because, see, they benefit. They're they're like stormtroopers. They benefit from the separate system, and that's and they've set up these ridiculous checkpoints. Um, Jill again, Jill hates this. She was so pissed when she learned of this that this happens in the afterlife. It's like it's like almost like God, isn't it hard enough here? And then and then the nonsense continues afterwards. Are you kidding me? <sighs> okay, <clears throat> so. For those that get stopped at that checkpoint and don't realize it, 
there actually are some that for whatever reason, maybe it's some weird lottery system that those gatekeepers have, but some are actually able to keep going. But it, uh, they're likely to get stopped at another checkpoint. And what happens whenever you're stopped and you don't get all the way through is your energy gets recycled. So what they're told is, well, you got to go back in. Let's go through the process of, you know, picking parents again and picking a bodysuit and where you're going to be born and, you know, consider all the factors of, of probabilities that can happen in that lifetime and economic status and where you, what country you want to live in, what culture, um, what's likely to be the a religion that you're likely to be exposed to at some point. It's funny how I make that sound like a virus, exposure. <laughs> so all of those types of factors, we actually pre-planned coming in. We knew. Um, and sometimes it's for reasons that we love and sometimes it's for reasons like, well, that's going to be curious. I've never, I've never, you know, had, I've never been born into, you know, extreme wealth before. I've never been a, born into, um, you know, a rural environment before. I've always done urban kind of journeys. Anyway, there's just this whole process. The problem that Jill has with it is that they didn't feel like they had a choice, right? Their sovereignty and their free will is compromised just like it is here. They're tricked into coming back. And see, from the separation age system, there's this there's a benefit to the recycled energy, right? Yes? Okay, let me know if you have questions about that. This is a very expanded topic. <laughs> so hopefully we're being a, we're trying to be as clear as possible, but it's it's quite out there in a lot of ways. Okay, so for those that are worried about uh somebody that was very much in the dogma of organized religion or just or an, even an atheist or something like that, actually some atheists make it through for different reasons. Uh anyway, that's kind of an interesting topic too. <coughs> All righty. Um <laughs> okay, there's some reasons I was curious about that, but that seems like a tangent, so we're, we're, we're deciding not to go there. Um, so that's what happens in the afterlife for those that more than likely get, get kind of uh, recycled again and then they incarnate again. What another unfortunate part of it is that as they get recycled, they're, they're, they didn't get that chance for like the full, the full effect of connecting again with their higher self energy. So, the portion of divine energy that makes them their human didn't get, it's like not fully charging a phone, right? So it's diminished at the outset. It's not, it's like compromised at the beginning, right? That's actually one of the, one of the many reasons why some of you are so, are so damn sparkly, frankly, is because your incarnation wasn't from that recycle center. It was actually from directly from your source energy, directly from your higher self. I can spot you guys from a mile away. Literally, you shine. Um, the way that you're able to um, be optimistic, the way that you're able to not only feel hope, but actually offer hope and restore hope to those that have been in that compromised position. You guys are literally miracle workers. Um, I see you every day, and you don't you truly don't, you underestimate your power all the time. And hopefully this conversation will actually help you see um, how truly beautiful it is that you're here because of the fact that you came straight from your source essence. You came straight from your source energy. You'll last longer, just like a, just like literally the cell phone or mobile that's been fully charged. Um, you guys are like the energizer bunny. So yes, you get whacked around by me, 
um, and this overall system of, of dark age nonsense. And yet you just keep popping back up like a like a superhero in a movie that just just will not be destroyed. Um, but you still have transition windows. You still get to exit. And you guys, depending on how you've played, I'll say with your consciousness here, some of you actually get stuck in those in those gates, those turnstiles. Um, we're going to talk about secret societies here in a minute, too. Ooh, I didn't know we were going to go there. Okay. Um, so some of you get stopped, even though you have this bright, shiny aura to you in this reality. There are some of you that do get confused or um, you misunderstand or you misinterpret or you've just been trying out these different truths and beliefs of the dark age. And they're the ones that they may be the same ones that will trip you up. So if you get to that turnstile and you are under the impression that there is um, a heaven or a hell or levels of heaven, um, that will be used against you, right? Um, the Hindu philosophy of, of did, you, did you do enough uh, to go to the next level? Oh, you're totally coming back <laughs> because that'll, that one point in the, in the uh, turnstile, you're going to get circled back. Um, though that will be used against you. So the way to get through these turnstiles, I can't believe I'm saying this, although Jill said it before, so it's not like let, totally letting the cat out of the bag here, but yeah, that's a funny expression. Would you go? I don't like that one. <laughs> okay. The way to get through the turnstiles is to, without question and without hesitation, own your sovereignty. With, without a blink, that you 100% know who you are, which is divine energy in human form, that you know you've been a volunteer and that you know you didn't have to be here and that this wasn't a test, this, there wasn't a lesson that you had to learn and that you will not be part of those shenanigans in the afterlife just like you weren't part of the shenanigans on earth, right? It is the same vibration of going through the beautiful, you know, young men and women that literally are handing out perfume samples um, that says that you look them in the eye or you totally ignore them and you say, no, thank you. It's those of you that are like, well, I want to be nice. Um, you know, they're just trying to do their job. I don't really want the perfume sample, but, you know, who am I to be so rude as to say um, no thank you to what they're offering me? If they're offering you a life review, um, and they're going to help you decide and see, they'll make you think you have a choice in the matter, but you don't. Um, and your chances of a choice, an actual choice, go further and further down the more you fall into these uh, traps of these these turnstiles. Okay. Jill has um, done a lot of work, actually. <laughs> uh, she doesn't know this, to, to shut down and dismantle as much as she can from the role that she's playing here. Um, those turnstiles. She absolutely hates them. Because um, it's just not fair to her. That it's hard enough to be here in a human bodysuit, especially if you've been from that compromised position from the outset. And then you're expected to get through the death window and perform in a way that you you never understood and didn't quite get at the human level, and you're supposed to all of a sudden figure it out, but some do. 
this, I mean, never underestimate the human spirit, literally. And they're not human at that point, but it's a quasi-still human state. They're still identifying themselves as their humanness. That's why they're stopping at these turnstiles, because they don't know their full, pure divine energy. That, that's the problem. Um, so, yeah, it's just a fascinating process. And they were allowed to be set up based on the same parameters that allow the, the BS and the nonsense and the shenanigans to happen in the separation age. It all is continuously adding to the experience of the quarantine. Okay. Okay, so what happens when you do get all the way through, right? When you get all the way through, literally, it's like looking in your rearview mirror and um, and just being like, okay, that's, that is complete, mission accomplished. Um, and you restore your soulful essence within the structure that that you were using as your human. It's a it's a full uh, restoration. Every every little iota of you that made you your human is is fully uh, restored, literally in the light of God. It's a rehyphen union of light um, that is probably better than even your wildest dreams just absolute glorification, um, absolute joy, and celebration. Um, because it's hard. <laughs> because it's hard to get all the way through the, all of that intact, right? So there's a, there is a party in terms of, hey, you made it. So, it, you know, in a lot of ways, maybe it, maybe the concept of heaven and hell actually isn't that far off then. Uh, Jill's been saying for years that the hell that she knows is the one that it, people create for themselves in this reality. So if somebody gets stuck in those uh, those checkpoints and they get sent back here, it is it could be it doesn't have to be, but it can be a reassignment in hell. But it's never eternity. Um, okay, all right. Okay, so another huge part for all of you to realize. I hope, and maybe for the first time, is that every single one of you that literally um, can consciously own the fact that you are 100% divine energy and you are human and that you choose to look at all life that way, you help thin those veils, not just in this reality, but in the afterlife reality. I've seen many, many uh, more people get all the way through um, that had been through that recycle bin, by the way, within the linear time for thousands of years. And then all of a sudden, it's just, it's almost like there's this aha moment. Even if they didn't have it in their humanness, there's something like, it's, it's almost like, let's give you an example of somebody that, that, um, that recently, that kind of a crotchety older guy, right? And he gets to that turnstile, didn't have any sort of experience like this in his humanness, right? So this is really an, a cool outlier. And you guys should feel some of the credit for the thinning of the veils. Because at some point, uh, he had attended church, you know, a few times over the years, but not a religious person, didn't consider himself a godly man, but very intelligent and uh, had a really good bullshit meter, actually, um, like an attorney, savvy, street smart attorney type. Um, and he gets to this, he got to the first turnstile, um, and he made it through that one. And then at the second one, things got more sophisticated, and he almost got stuck. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of almost kind of reassigning, is what we call it, where he's 
he is willing to come, he's almost willing to jump back in again in a new bodysuit and start, start the whole process all over again. Um, he said, he just stopped and he just like paused. And that's when, that's when the, the uh, stormtrooper kind of gatekeepers go, oh shit, <laughs> we may have just lost him. So he slowed down and he was like, something doesn't feel right about this. <laughs> and then for some reason he stood up and he kind of like got out of the interview situation and he just like started walking and like a door appeared where there wasn't a door. It's, it's metaphysical at that point anyway. So he just walked and he, it's like he, he created his own doorway to walk out of that situation. And then he just kept doing it. So with each next kind of level of the, of the, the veiling system and the afterlife, he just kept going, no, I think this is bullshit too. And he just kept walking. So then when he got home, it was like he was literally, it was just that huge sense of release and relief of, oh my God, I, I did make it all the way through this time. Um, and a huge, like a homecoming celebration with his higher self. It was just absolutely beautiful. He was very surprised. And of course, at that point, there is that the reunion of consciousness too. And he's like, "Oh my God, that quarantine!" And he's just like shaking his head, just like, "Oh my God, we really did do it too well. We really did do it too well." Okay, so trusting yourself, knowing your, I want to say, position within your God essence, that that's solid, that it's unbreakable, that there's nothing, literally nothing, that can happen in this reality that that can break that bond of the God, the Godness, um, within the one creator God, um, that all life is truly a beautiful uh, fractal fragmentation of. And yet it's whole and complete in its fragmentation. So this, this whole system is just really fabulous and frustrating. I get it at the same time. Okay, awesome. Okay, Mary Jane, thank you for this question. She's saying, what is the benefit of repeating life? Well, for that, you have to go back to the original purpose of life in general. Life in a dark age is about this, you know, crazy, almost like psychedelic experience and, and wonderful and miraculous experience of forgetting that you're God. So the benefit of repeating life is that you initially signed up to jump into this reality. At some point, your higher self literally had the conscious awareness of, okay, I'm going in. It's kind of like jumping in in a polar plunge. You're like, okay, I'm going in. And you know as your higher self that you may get, I'm going to use the word stuck, that you may get stuck in this process and recycled over and over and over again. But you also know that as your higher self, you're fine. As your higher self, you're not like walking around like an amputee saying, oh, my God, my, my human is still stuck down there. What the hell am I going to do? It's not like that. So your higher self is literally just kind of like, okay, let's see how my human is doing today. Oh, my God, I'm still forgetting. Look at me. I'm still forgetting. Look at me. I'm like bumping into walls down there. Um, I still don't remember who I am. And there's no like remorse or sadness or like, tension about it. It's fascinating that that itself in a human form is completely feeling separate from the God essence that it is. It's amazing. It literally is. So there's appreciation for it. There's like, um, there's value in it. There's purpose in it. But it often doesn't look that way from here. 
So even when somebody gets recycled and they get stuck in those turnstiles and then and kind of thrown back in, uh, which they have a, you know, some like they had initial choice, but they don't feel it in the recycle process. There's the higher self is going, oh, no, I, I went back in. Oh, my God, what was I thinking? It's like, okay, we're still in it. There's still a, a smile on the face, if you will, of the higher self. So, Mary Jane, that was a really important question. Thank you for asking it. Um, and I love how you did it, like in all caps, like, Damn it, what is the benefit of repeating life? This is a glorious experience for the higher self. The big opportunity for us is, can we choose to see that from our humanness? Okay? Despite the BS, despite the pain, despite the misery, despite all the kind of versions of hell, literally, that we can create for ourselves or witness and others as they create it for themselves. There's also the heaven on earth uh, kind of ends of the spectrum that we're capable of. Um, and there's just, okay, yeah. So for those of you that are concerned that you've been in that compromised state, please don't worry about it. Um, you are here, number, you're here, here, in your humanness. That's a good thing. You're, in, you're here at a wonderful time. And what a great uh, state of affairs for you to continue to remember who and what you really are. And to truly put aside and call BS while you're in your human. The nonsense truths and beliefs that keep you feeling like you're trying to measure up to something when that's not real. Okay, that's not real. So it takes discernment, it takes fortitude, it takes gumption, it takes courage to look at the standard truths and beliefs of this world that are held by literally billions of people sometimes and say, you know what? You're wrong. You're all wrong about this. And, and I don't have to prove you're wrong. I just have to know that I have a choice in what I believe and what my truths are. And that affects my energy field and it affects my vibration. And it affects how close I will allow myself to feel to the light of God that I am. That's what truths and beliefs do. They, are, they, are, they function as... Um, a system of how close or how separated you feel to the light of God that you are. Thank you. I'm just applauding Wetiko here that that was a really uh, geniusly simple and very sophisticated way of explaining that. I'm very impressed. <laughs> very, very impressed and very appreciative. Okay, that's good. Uh, Monica is saying, it's funny you mentioned turnstile. I had a dream many years ago that I walked through one of the t one or two turnstiles. I wondered what they were. They very well could be that, Monica. And um, this is Jill here. I'm just, I'll share that I, in a meditation a few years ago, had a similar experience where I was, a, I was um, in, I was guided by like this, I think it was like a merman or a dolphin, I don't remember at this point, but some sort of non-human non being in a meditation. So my, it was at my super consciousness level and I was journeying in a conscious way while still connected to my body, by the way. I'm not a fan of out-of-body experiences at all. That's very, not, it's, it's, I want to say the word reckless and dangerous. There's no need to leave your human, and I don't recommend it at all. This is your home base, people. Stay with your human and allow your consciousness to expand from the home base of your human. You don't need to leave your human to have a, a trip. 
uh, in consciousness, and I, it's not recommended, and it will, it can definitely screw you up. Okay, I'll just be blunt, because I love you, and you deserve to know the truth. Um, okay, so I was in this, I was being guided, and I got to a sort of a turnstile, and it was like a plasma-y sort of barrier, and I could see other beings, a couple people ahead of me in line, and I was just kind of there in line. I wasn't bothered by it. Um, and there was like a stormtrooper kind of energy with almost like a clipboard, and he was checking to see who had authority to go through and who didn't. And that also happens um, in the turnstiles of the afterlife. Anyway, so he was checking with them. Sometimes they were showing him things like almost like paperwork or like papers, um, whether they had authority to go into this other dimensional space or whatever that was. Um, and when I came up, he was looking at his clipboard, and he was about to ask me for something, and he noticed my vibration from my being, from, if you will, my feet up, and then he scanned my whole body slowly, and he didn't check anything. He he just, like, stood to the side, like, okay, you're free to go. He knew from my vibration that I had the authority to go back and forth. I I didn't, I needed no, there's an old Western movie, you don't need no stinking badges. Me no need no stinking badges. <laughs> um, you don't need a badge. You just need your vibration. And to be in the authority of your sovereignty from within your presence, whatever that presence is, whether you're in the bodysuit, like we are right here talking and sharing, or whether it's in an expanded consciousness where it's in the metaphysical realm or truly the non-physical realm even. Alrighty? Okay, so that's cool, Monica, that you've had that experience, too. Nice. Okay. And Mary Jane, she said, that was so good. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm saying you're welcome, and Watika is saying you're welcome. Thank you for the very good question. Okay. Um, Jeremy is saying, is Watiko, and he asked this before we started talking. He actually asked this nine days ago. <laughs> um, is Watiko a created conscious energy unconscious <laughs> after listening to episode two again this is a wonder i was having that i can reconcile um kiss hug kiss hug okay so Watiko is a created consciousness and it was created out of the unconsciousness available amidst the quarantine in this reality in the separation age so uh, you know, it's partly, he's saying, related to out-of-body experiences. It's part that it's almost, it's like off-gassing. You guys know what that is? Like if you get, like I, I, we just, Jeff and I just got a new mattress for our vacation home um, up north. And we have this, and it, a lot of mattresses, and unfortunately we got this kind, but I do love this mattress. And I, I don't think it's killing me. Um, it's uh, petroleum-based products that go into the foam um, of most mattresses. Um, you know, with toxic sorts of off-gassing that can happen. So this mattress is, is sitting in our second home with no mattress protection on it. All the wrappings are off and the window is slightly cracked to let the off-gassing happen. So um, he's, Wetiko is kind of like the effects of off-gassing. There are energies that are disembodied slash not owned slash not released or not occupied it's like unoccupied conscious energy or unconscious creator energy in a world where everybody's confused and they're not occupying their field there's a lot of um, off-gassing of, of creative juices 
And it just was like, well, hey, I'm here. Um, I'm not going anywhere. I'm in the quarantine. So what am I going to do? I don't have a human host because my human host isn't occupying me. So I'll just go play. <laughs> and over time, quote unquote, if you will, that Watiko kind of gained force and gained speed because there's so few humans. I mean, minuscule absolutely minuscule amounts of humans that are fully owning their sovereignty, right? And plus you couple that with the fact that sovereignty is infinite, so there's there's so much more available to us that somebody can have a spike in um, sovereign experiences, but then they go back to their old ways and they're they're questioning themselves and oh I'm nothing and you know my you know my team doesn't like me or or God doesn't love me or or I'm unlovable or not worthy or whatever the stories we've created um, that creates a compromised energy field, but the sovereignty is still there. So where does it go? And it has all these ranges of vibration to operate at. And if it's not being operated consciously, then it's allowed to be operated unconsciously. Yeah, that was a little obtuse, but but I get it. So let me know if you have questions about that. Okay. All right. We are going to jump over to Jess's questions. And for those that are on the phone, by the way, if you want to share live, feel free to raise your hand and click star two. Um, so star two to raise your hand for those that are live. And thank you for those that are joining live tonight. It's fun. Okay. Uh, all right, so Jess had a nice long list of questions, and I'm just going to roll through those. Okay, uh, we did some of them last week, but first, let me get a sip of tea. Okay, so one question that Jess, you asked is, what role does it play, what role does Wittika play in the transitioning of ages into a platinum age? Is it, and okay, yeah, I don't want to go to that one. So, uh, yeah, because I haven't finished this one. So what role does it play in the transitioning of ages into a platinum age? It naturally recedes, and yet um, it still has to be a kind of operated to recede. It has to be, I want to use the word manned. Um, but I don't mean literally man versus woman, but human is an unnatural term, so I'm going to say man. I please know that I just, I mean human. Um, it's human unconsciousness. So the humans, or somebody within the human structure, has to kind of, uh, kind of man it, uh, to work with it in a way that is conscious, that is divine, that is of a higher vibration, meaning it's not going to be used against another. It's for the, the win-win or the potential of a win-win. Whether that another person chooses their win um, or not is up to them, but the intention um, of an experience was that everybody could benefit from a decision or a choice, et cetera. So that's partly, I mean, in many ways, what we're doing here in the series, and I didn't know that before. Oh, where'd he go? I, 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 was, I was gladly tricked into this. What we are doing in the series is, number one, we're demystifying the unconsciousness in this reality. Number two, we are um, restructuring ourselves to be able to man it, to operate it like machinery um, in a way that is for the greater good, for our good and for the greater good of another. Um, he'll use that against you too, by the way. Not you, you, uh, Jess, but in general, somebody that is very much of a, a type of spirituality that's based on self-sacrifice, 
do unto others at the expense of yourself. Um, I don't know what rule that is, but it's not the golden rule. Um, it's a it's a martyr rule, <laughs> is what Watiko just said. Um, if somebody playing by that book, oh, Watiko will use it against them all over and over and over again. Um, and yet, you know, in the dark age, those types of roles are often kind of lauded, lauded as um, somehow more worthy, more godly, because we love a martyr. Uh, we love self-sacrifice. Um, we love people that sacrifice themselves for the sake of another. Uh, it's very dark age-ish. Um, in the platinum age, no one would even think um, of asking somebody to self-sacrifice for their benefit. That would just be truly unconscionable. Um, yeah. It was like, huh? What? <laughs> Why would I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't want to receive something from someone that had self-sacrificed for my gain, right? That's a that's a concept. Okay, so that's the answer to that one. Um, also, the next question is: Is Wetiko an individual determining? Is it an individual determining and responsibility to dismantle? its effects with our spheres. Um, uh, dismantle. Wachiko is, is uh, he's, okay, I'm just going to let him speak. That's not the right word here. It's not about dismantling. It's more about acknowledging and working alongside because I am part of this reality and I am a part of the quarantine experience here. So um, I play with each individual in, in a unique way. I'm sophisticated enough to do that. So, as an individual learns to acknowledge me, not be afraid of me, uh, smile with me, um, get my joke, if you will, and not be um, BSed by me, then then we form this harmonious relationship of of light and lack of light that is a is a, a harmonious partnership for that individual and for their sense of being in this world. Um, that's definitely what Jill has started to do and with amazing results, which is why in many ways she felt confident enough to um, to be able to convey from me kind of who and what I am and other strategies to work with me, um, clear up a lot of misunderstandings, etc. Okay. Alrighty. Oh, Paul. I see your hand up. Hi, Paul. Hi, Jill. How you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. Yes, the the weather is finally picking up here, and yay! So happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a wonderful um, series that you put on, Jill, and it's really like nothing other, really. <laughs> uh, it, it's just. It's hard to describe in any event, but I'm sure some words will come to me. But I, I had, um, I have just a couple of quick questions that I wanted to sort of run by. When, when you got into the um, fear of death and you know the interrelationship of that with the fear of living, and you were saying that we really don't control, you know, how and when and whether people transition. How does that sort of relate to those instances where potentially you have people, like let's say Jesus, for example, having that ability to heal? I mean, 
I would imagine he would that would come upon him in situations where the recipient, the person's you know higher self, would be open to that healing kind of thing. Or? That's exactly right. Yes. So there are situations where the where the physical body has reached a state where it does basically a miracle has to be invoked um, in order for that uh, person to be able to stay literally in that body suit. So there are, I mean, as as a group like this knows, there's lots of healers, <laughs> right, on the planet, lots of miracle makers. Um, and Wichiko called all of us miracle makers. Um, all life literally is a miracle making machine. It just doesn't know it. It's in a state it's in a state of denial or maybe disrepair, <laughs> etc. So where the free will comes in is on the recipient side, whether they choose or not to receive it. I think for any of us that do any sort of healing work, either professionally or um, kind of covertly, we recognize that sometimes some of our best gifts are offered and actually rejected or rebuffed. So still that individual has the free will. Whether they're conscious of it or not, they can reject or accept the healing that is offered um, on whatever dimension that's offered, by the way, whether it's a whether it's a physical healing where somebody is actually in um, a practice getting a healing, or whether it's offered kind of through the airwaves of just offering blessings and healing to anyone that that wants to receive it. Okay. Yeah. Good question. Thank you for asking it. I I have another one here. Um, yeah. This one, and just a fascinating sort of um, overview there of the afterlife, and I tend to agree that, you know, <laughs> life is here. Life here is hard enough, and yet, you know, in the afterlife, there you go. You gotta, you gotta walk to walk, and um, hopefully, you don't get to one of those turnstiles, as you mentioned, and um, be tricked. And and what you mentioned in relation to that is this. Um, idea of our energy getting recycled. Um, we're not going, you know, through those turnstiles and going directly to source and, you know, and and then coming from source again. So I was wondering, like, that recycled energy of, you know, people coming back in, does that, uh, is that within the memory of the DNA within the body? Or is it something completely different? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, okay, this I'm going to twist the question a little. I'm going to twist the answer a little bit, but it'll it'll still get us to where to where you're offering us to go, which I like. Um, okay, so when those of us that are literally incarnated straight from our source energy, we're very very careful and cautious and um, astute about whose DNA we choose to work with, okay? Some of us literally like the person that, um, you know how there are people that are going to take kind of like, oh, this 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 road suits me well, I'll do this one, and some are like, no, the harder the better. <laughs> you know what I mean? We all have different literal temperaments and, and personalities, even as our higher selves. And that does, a, that you can see that reflected in some of the choices that we make. Um, I like to keep things simple and easy. So I didn't choose, you know, a bloodline that has like a, a 
you know, patterns of like abuse and um, alcoholism and that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm not saying my family's perfect, but it wasn't really hard to work with the genetics that I chose to work with. I think that's to actually everybody's benefit because I don't honestly think I'd be able to do the work that I do and trust my divine connection if I had had um, a hard road to hoe in my life as Jill. I don't have a lot. I, I, it's barely hard, actually, for me to look at, oh, well, that one, you know, oh, that part of my life, that was a really hard journey. I really, it's not that I had it easy, but, and it's all relative, but I don't, I just don't have that kind of story. I didn't pick that kind of experience, and I didn't pick that kind of story to tell myself about my journey, right? Um, okay, so if you are in that compromised, recycled energy you're less discerning about what DNA you're going to pick or not pick. You're probably going to look at it from a completely different kind of spectrum of, of factors and variables, and you could also be highly influenced by whomever this, you know, phony kind of guide is that's basically tricking you, not maliciously, but that's their orders. They're, see, they're under the, under the spell of delusion, too. So they really think they're doing a good job, <laughs> right? And it's all just this phony, schmony, you know, scam, basically. And that's what pisses me off about it. But so it's just going to be a totally different, it's more like a crapshoot of, oh, that's, yeah, this one looks good. Yeah, I think I do want to, you know, have a, have, you know, more money this time or whatever. It's just very superficial kind of variables that are considered. Okay. Like, I'm wondering, you know, if, you know, you know, as a product of that, somebody sort of is not discerning enough on the DNAs um, or just picking parents and stuff like that, that um, does it translate that, you know, um, their receptiveness to lower vibrational habits such as addictions and stuff like that might flow more often in that regard? The addiction patterns are are very much a function of environment and genetics. It's both. Um, more environment is actually what Watiko is saying than than genetics, though. So more nurture versus nature. Um, so that one actually gets interesting because as humans we try to pull apart. Well, you know, are is somebody an addict because you know all of their they have an addict at every level of the family tree. Or is it because there was exposure to that energy pattern that made them more susceptible to it um, and that they felt weakened by the fact that it was in their family tree? So it actually wasn't a genetic predisposition. It was totally an environmental predisposition of, well, you know, my uncle. My uncle's an addict. Uh, my grandfather's an addict. My great-grandmother was an addict. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of screwed. You know what I mean? And you walk around literally waiting for the shoe to drop. People do that with um, uh, predisposition they feel of cancer as well, that, well, so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so had thyroid cancer, so I'm likely going to get it too. Um, all of those can be overridden by the divine energy patterns plus working in combination in a, a more uh, like honoring of life fashion of living from nutrition and, you know, nature and, you know, all of these different ways that there are exposures to carcinogens in our world. Um, there's so many things that can override any genetic or um, environmental predisposition. Every, all of those can be completely 
um, dodged, if you will. Um, did that answer your question, though, Paul? I mean, uh, I like the, I like the answer, but I just want to make sure that because I liked your question. No, certainly, yeah, that's quite clear. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jill. You're welcome, Paul. I love you, brother. Love you too. Take care. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye now. Okay, there's somebody else with their hand up, and unfortunately, the caller says anonymous. And just given, I mean, part of me just wants to go for it, but I also don't like it. Um, so I'm not going to take that call. <laughs> so if you want to hang up and call in and not be anonymous, then uh, then I may take your call. But I just I I think as human Jill, I'm extra cautious um, because of what we're doing, and it can be misunderstood. I'm I'm just wanting it just doesn't feel right. So there we go. Okay, um, questions in the question box here. Okay, hey Heather, she's saying hi there. Thank you again for this time together. Can you please explain out-of-body experiences and give examples of what they look like? For instance, can it happen in guided meditation? How do we know the difference? Okay, so what, and I haven't studied this as human gel, but what I, what I have come across and I was surprised by, um, frankly, was that there are some people that actually teach how to do like astral projection and out-of-body experiences, and there's a whole realm of consciousness and spirituality that's based on the fact that you've, and, and to me the premise is you've got to get unchained from that human body to have a spiritual experience or to expand your consciousness. So in other words, their belief system is the human body is holding you back, okay? Flaw number one, <laughs> right, is right there, yes? Um, what what I know to be true is that there's a whole other way to do this. And I think they just don't know. Um, but there's the other way to do this, which is what I definitely practice and teach and almost preach, <laughs> is that your your consciousness is like a bubble size. So you can make your bubble, your consciousness range, really, really big. And it's not hindered by your bodysuit at all. And actually, that sphere, that ball of energy should be actually, ultimately and divinely, it should be anchored in your human bodysuit because that's your home base in this world. If your human bodysuit is not your home base in this world, then you're out of alignment with your sovereignty and you're naturally out of alignment with your higher self. I, I don't know how to be more clear than that. Okay? You need that. You need it, you want it, and why would you want anything else would be my question to anyone that's questioning that. Um, so I know it's it's uh, not mainstream, and it's not – I know that what I'm talking about is, is very – like, what is she talking about? She doesn't know what she's talking about. Like, I'm naive. No, <laughs> quite the contrary in my, in my own uh, non-humble um, opinion. But the other way causes problems. Um, I have known people that um, I've actually had clients that have done, um, uh, you know, out-of-body experiences either through, like, plant medicines and things like that. And I've never done that as human Jill, and I'm really not drawn to do that as human Jill in terms of, like, a ceremony or anything like that. Um, because it just doesn't, Number one, I'm not just not drawn to it. Um, and number two, there is a compromise that can and does often happen in that person's energy field. So in other words, their, um, their field gets fragmented, they get holes in their field that expose them more to a TICO, um, leakage in their field, their human energy field, 
every time somebody does an, an OBE, out of body experience, or something similar to that where they feel like they've got to get out of the human body suit in order to be or do something, um, they're compromised. Okay? But it's it's actually, Wichiko, thank you for pointing this out. It's actually less the experience that's the problem. The main problem is the belief. The belief that the human body suit is holding one back from having and being all that they want to be in this world. They're trying to cheat the system. Um, and it's uh, it's unfortunate because it has really devastating consequences in many cases. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, so what does it look like? Uh, I, I, it's not that I'm avoiding answering the question, but I think a more pertinent uh, answer is you know, okay, the best way to know that you are solidly in your bodysuit is that you are literally the one looking out from your eyes. And I know that may sound really strange, and yet it's so true. So if you feel a little bit off to the left or off to the right of the bodysuit, or you feel very foggy, like something is looking out of those eyes, but you're not even sure it's you, um, and you move your hand in front of your face, and it's like, yeah, it's kind of there, but I don't know if I feel it, then chances are you're not fully in your body. Um, that for various probably really rational reasons, you've decided that the human body suit is not a safe place to be. You don't like the, not you, you, Heather, but in general, um, that the human emotion system is just overwhelming and that you've, you know, got to do everything you can to, to not be in that body suit. It just doesn't fit, doesn't work the way you want it to. Um, and then it's a downward cycle. Then it's a, a vicious cycle of, because you can't be healthy when you're not in your body suit. And it'll, if there were health problems that initiated it to begin with, or emotional, I want to say problems, that initiated the, the lack of embodiment, um, it's just going to get worse from that point. And then um, it's not that you can't go in and self-repair, but you're, it's going to be harder um, because, again, the belief system gets, it probably gets thicker and thicker that, well, now I really don't want to go back in there. Now I'm even worse than I was when I initially decided not to be in that bodysuit. Look at me. You see what I'm saying? Kind of like my grandmother's experience of, oh, my God, I, I look like a mess. I, I'm pretty sure I feel like a mess in there, too, but I'm glad I'm out here and I don't know. When you feel like your life is passing you by, when you feel like something else is in control and it's not you, um, I'm trying to give as many examples as possible. When you feel very hazy and you, you lose time, that's a sign. When you forget things, um, forget your keys, places, forget money, um, forget plans, very spacey, um, don't care, uh, just very kind of disinterested in your human life, that's a sign. There's lots of signs of being disconnected from the human experience. Depression um, is a sign of disconnection, right? But they're all rational, you guys. They're all easily like, well, I can, you know, that makes perfect sense why you'd think that, you know, why someone would, would get to that state of wanting to be out of the bodysuit, but you got to get back in the bodysuit um, in some meaningful way in order to get, you know, get the house in order. 
and to have the delicious experience that obviously at some point you wanted to have or you knew you could have um, by being in this reality. Okay? And it's still available. It's never too late. Oh, okay, Jane. Okay, good. Okay, I will come back over now that I know it's you. <laughs> okay, let me read your question, though, here. Okay, Jill is just saying, Jill, it's Jane in Australia with hand up. I can't make my phone declare its number. I have a question about what is happening with my physical energy when I interact with anorexic daughter Sarah. I feel that I have awareness of my sovereignty, but after I interact, I can feel paralyzed. And then she's adding, maybe you just answered, too painful, so I leave, not to feel sorrow of not relating with my own child. I do get over it within a day or so. Yeah, that's, that's, you're brilliant, um, Jane, in that realization there. Oh, and I'm so sorry that, oh, God, it's so hard. And I say that to my team sometimes. I'm like, well, it's easy for you guys. You're just up there smiling, right, at everything going on here, not delighting in our misery by any stretch, but they're definitely, it's a different role that they play. And you guys, that's why they, our team, our divine energy, however however you look at it, I look at it as a team of energy because it ebbs and flows and can be whatever I need it to be, whatever I'll allow it to be in this world. Um, that lay, Those layers of us know that we have the hard job. That's why it's almost like they're disappointed when we fall into these ridiculous patterns that we're here to serve them. No, 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 no. They're here to serve us. We're the ones with the hard job, not them. They've got it easy <laughs> relative to us, right? They are here to serve us. Our teams are here to serve and support us. Okay, now that doesn't mean we're bossy, you know, bossy, demanding tyrants, um, dictators. Um, it's a loving, harmonious relationship, and we don't have control over everything in our world. We don't. There are energy patterns that, that we chose to work with in this world that sometimes we fight and we hate and we will not accept. Um, and Watiko just slides right in there, right? And he can keep us right there in that state of dysfunction for sometimes our whole life. And we get to that, the, the real life review <laughs> when we made it all the way through. And we're like, but I really, really wanted blank and I never got it. Where were you guys? And they're like, you know, sister, brother, you didn't, that, that was something you explicitly said you did not want to have in that lifetime. Because you, you thought that would be the, you know, I don't, because of the experience. I mean, I don't want to come up with some silly answer, but you see here in your plan, you said you didn't want that. And yet here you are, your whole human journey, searching and searching and trying to set in motion something that you specifically have in your plan that you did not want. Right? Now, there are times when we override those plans. And by the way, you guys, I talk about some of this kind of detail about plans and blueprints and things in um, a series I just relaunched called the Soul Signature Series. So that's on my website. Um, you can just go in the search menu, the Soul Signature Series. I used to call it the Living as Your Higher Self Series. I've also called it the Embracing the New Energy Series. I have a really hard time coming up with names that feel satisfying to me in terms of uh, beginning to describe what we're actually doing. Um, anyway, so there are things we can do in our humanness that override those plans and yet, many times we protected ourselves from ourselves. 
um, that we would just be right, rewriting things willy-nilly and then not allowing ourselves to have some sort of structure in the experience that we wanted to have. So wherever you're fighting yourself or feeling like you're fighting this world, my biggest advice is absolutely pause and you know reevaluate whether you even really need that. Okay? All right. Very good. Okay, I feel like we're kind of wrapping up here. Okay, if you're typing, type quick. Type quickly. Oh, I'm just going to enjoy my tea again here. Ah. <clears throat> Okay, let me hit refresh one last time. All right, you guys, I think we're good. Okay, I'm going to call it a wrap. Thank you so much, you guys, and thank you to Watiko for his um, oh, engagement and clarity and um, insights and in what he was offering us here. That was, um, I was, I, I, I'm looking forward to listening again, actually, um, and I'm so grateful for each of us, for you, for the questions you're asking. It's it's very, um, I love where it's going, and I hope you guys do too. Um, please let me know other questions that you have. And I do want to make sure that when you type in a question, make sure it's for an upcoming um, series, because like I won't go back and ask a question again on this, or look at questions again on, on this, for this episode, I want to call it. Um, so please be aware of that. I don't want your questions to get lost because they are really good. Another way to ask a question if you can't join live is to send me an email uh, to jill at jillreneefeeler.com, and I look forward to, I love the engagement with you guys. That's what, um, I'm so extroverted, <laughs> but um, I love as human Jill, the interaction with you guys is super fun. So anyway, thank you for being you, and thank you for participating, and thank you for your support of this work, by the way. Um, oh, Heather, I'll read yours really quick. Thank you. She's saying, thank you for answering uh, so thoroughly that question. I appreciate what you said about the shortcut. I feel like it is the equivalent of hacking something on the computer. Beware of viruses. Thank you again. Love your light. Oh, I love you too, Heather. Oh, I love you guys. So until next time, um, goodbye for now. Adios, amigos and amigas. And I love you so much. And I hope you have a great couple weeks. Okay, bye-bye.